And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California. Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, Mark Larson, thank you, and Southern California, welcome again to another Sunday evening edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and it is a pleasure to welcome you into the show tonight. Hey, I think we've got a great show for you. I know there's a lot of things that you could be doing tonight, so we appreciate you tuning in to the radio show. Let me give you a little rundown of what's in store tonight. Hey, first, right out of the gate, we're going to have Rick Russell with us. He's the new owner-operator of Chief Sports Fishing out of H&M Land, a Landing. The Chief has a great tradition. We're going to find out all about What's in store for it with uh, Captain Rick and what they plan to be doing in the future with the Chief. Then coming up later on, Mr. Wayne Cotto, he's the Executive Director for the Coastal Conservation Association, the CCA. He's going to update us on what the association's been into in the past few months. Then coming up at 6 o'clock, Tom Raftigan's going to be with us. There's been a lot of talk lately about reefs off of our Southern California coast, what makes good reefs, what doesn't, what we might be able to do to increase the amount of structure out there. We're going to have a little association, a little conversation with Tom talking about, hey, some of the history and what can or cannot be done. That's Tom Raftergan. He's the, the president of the Sports Fishing Council. And then later on tonight, if we can get a hold of them, Rob Tressler and Lori Heath are going to be with us. They just came back with an epic trip on the Aztec. We had them on last week talking about couples and fishing. They're going to talk to us about their trip. One reason why I don't know, I'm kind of scratching their head. They came in this morning, brought their fish to the processor, and then what did they do? Did they decide to rest, take a nap? No, they ran out on another half-day boat. So we're going to get, catch up with them and just find out what they've been doing, I think you're going to be interested in. Hey, let me first of all, before we go to our first guest, introduce to you my co-host. She is the national sales manager for Iserline. She represents many other fine products in the fishing industry, and she's a pretty darn good sportsman in her own right, both fishing and hunting, Ms. Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, howdy. Howdy. How's it going, John? 
Wendy, it is good, man. All these preparations before Thanksgiving, uh, a lot of people coming in that, that have trips planned over the week. Uh, we've got a big swap meet coming on, on uh, off on Saturday, so it's busy here. How about yourself? Well, I am just salivating watching all these big bluefin come in. I just, I wish I had the time to go out and go get them, and I'm glad somebody is. Well, you know what? It just so happens we have a few people on tonight that can clue us in on that. Not only Rob and Lori later on to the show, but our first guest, and let's introduce him to my, our audience. He's kind of biting at the bit to get on out there, but he's the new owner-operator of Chief Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing, Captain Rick Russell. Captain Rick, how's everything with you, sir? So far, so good with us. Oh, man. Hey, well, first of all, congratulations on becoming the, the new skipper on the Chief. What the heck were you thinking, man? That's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, I may, I may have bumped my head. I'm not real sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're real excited about this whole, uh, this whole new venture here. Man, hey, you know, for some of the people that aren't familiar with uh, you, give us a, a little bit of your background that got you to this particular point in time. You know, I started in this industry as a pinhead when I was 10 or 12 years old up in Dana Point. And from there, I kind of worked a little bit of everything that Dana Wharf had to offer from half-day, three-quarter day, overnight-type stuff. And when I was 18, I kind of left the industry for a little bit. Uh, my family owned a plumbing company, and I got myself into that. And when I was 19, I decided, hey, I've got all this time on the water. I think I'm going to go get my license, which was actually, you know, my parents kind of pushed me into that. Um, and it was more of a, you know, it looks good on paper. Whether you use it or not, it doesn't really matter. Why not go get it? I ended up getting my license, and once I got it, I kind of felt like I wanted to use it. So I came down to San Diego, and I jumped on a couple of boats down here, and I kind of never left. Um, the last handful of years I've done this relief, I've ran various different boats at various different times for people. Um, and I had an opportunity to become an owner-operator of a boat here just a few months ago, and I went for it. Um, that's basically it. You know, I, I've worked for, like I said, quite a few guys in the industry, you know, relief, full-time, that kind of deal. And I just got tired of not being able to own my own rig. It's It's been a dream of mine since I was five or six years old to be able to do this and the opportunity finally presented itself and we ended up taking over the chief here so we're wow. pretty excited about it um we're we're very eager to get out and uh and to get fishing we're going to uh like you said earlier we're going to take the boat out tonight kind of a little shakedown deal with the crew and a couple of friends and See if we can get in on some of that giant bluefin that's biting a little bit. And from there, we're going to continue on our boat work, and uh, we'll be ready to start running uh, the first weekend of January. We're going to, uh, we've got a full schedule of trips up through, uh, through March for calling at the Baja Coast type deal. 
So you'll be running the same type of trips that the the chief is really well known for. You know, uh, uh, the tradition of the chief when it was the uh, uh, what the big game '95, and then when uh, Chris Randall took over as skipper, did a lot of renovations on that boat. I mean, just you know, new fuel tanks and new bait tanks and a, a lot of work on the interior and and then uh, 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 the skipper was taken over by uh, 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 Jake Josh Jake I think and then after that now you've come along on this and you're saying you're doing some boat work tell us a little bit about the boat itself and some of the work that you think you're going to be putting into it in the soft season we're doing as it sits right now, being the fact I just took the boat over here recently, we're not doing a whole ton. Basically, just a lot of cleanup and trying to go through the boat and address any any uh, items that really need to be taken care of. From there, um, we're going to try to start fishing um, as soon as we can. And we, uh, I believe, we go to the yard in April. And in April is when we're probably going to do a few projects. We're going to we're going to try to get the boat painted up, top to bottom. Uh, probably redo the deck if possible, and some other you know various small projects. Nothing real crazy for now. Um, you know, and of course, as as things come along, we'll we'll know more of of what we want to do. But we we are going to keep roughly the same schedule as what the boat's been doing for the last umpteen years, you know, when it was a big game and um, and when Chris took it over and Jake and all those guys, anything from day and a half to three and a half day trips, we do have uh, plans to try to get some longer trips in maybe next year, the year after we're going to kind of play this first year out, see how it goes for us and see what the, what the people like as far as uh, trip length and, this thing had a pretty good following when it was the big game for some of their longer trips. Um, you know, the five, six, seven day type deals, which, excuse me, we'd really like to get into. And that's all going to, of course, be dependent on, uh, you know, where we're able to fish on trips of that length. You know, um, if uh, we ever get a chance to fish the islands down there again, or if we can secure ourselves a Guadalupe permit, we would definitely be looking into putting uh, that type of schedule together, well, you or at least that's our hopes anyways. The Chief has always had good karma. I remember uh, uh, when uh, Chris was uh, a skipper, we had a Rod and Reel radio trip. It was a actually a two-and-a-half-day trip, and we went down the coastline, and there was rumor that there were some yellowfin tuna down there, so, so Chris says, come on, we're going to go down there. See if we can find them. We can always get yellowtail and 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 uh, you know bottom fish, which Critch was known for. He says, but you know the yellowfin I hear are down there. Well, we went down there and whacked them with 197 yellowfin, and that was just on the first day. So on day two, Chris goes, well, what else do you guys want to do? <laughs> and we we had a great time on the second day with yellowtail and, and rockfish and everything else like that. The, the chief has great karma. I, I'm going to presume you're going to keep the name. We are going to keep the name. Um, and we're going to try to kind of keep going with what the boat is, has been doing. 
you know, we're uh, we're also going to hope for some of that uh, that tuna fish down below and yellowtail and all that kind of fun stuff. And focus. The majority of our trips are going to be twos and two and a halfs, uh, stuff like that. We do have threes and three and a halfs in our schedule, handful of day and a halfs here and there as well. But uh, the it sounds like the bread and butter trip for this boat has always been the two and a half day trip, which is actually a great trip. You know, it, it gives people the opportunity to, you know, not have to take too much time off work if it falls over a weekend, you know, come in a few minutes late on a Monday morning or maybe take a Friday off and get back Sunday morning type deal. So we're, we're trying to focus majority of our trips on that two and a half day run, which, uh, you know, there's, not a whole lot of boats that do those. There's a handful, but we're gonna we're gonna really kind of try to make that our run and and build that up the the best that we can. This boat again has, a, like you said, a, a pretty good reputation for that type of thing. So we definitely want to keep that and see if we can continue to build it up over uh, over the year and years to come. Well, you know what a uh, a lot of people may or may not recognize is on a two and a half day trip. One of the luxuries of that trip, it gives you two full days of fishing. So you uh, get the opportunity to, to go out and catch a lot of species of fish. If you get a chance to do some things that are maybe exploratory or, you know, go, hey, let's, let's take a crack at this. We know this is here, but let's see if there's something new there. And then to go back and to cash in on that, to fish for two whole days, there's, there's not the the urgency to have to catch fish, you know, right at uh, gray light on the first day. And then what, what's really sweet is, you know, you leave in the evening, you go, you have a full night's sleep, you get up in the morning, you fish, you have dinner, you uh, have a, a night on the boat, get up in the morning, you fish all day, have another great meal, have the camaraderie with your friends, go to sleep again, and then the next morning, 6 o'clock normally, somewhere in that area, you're back in port, and, man, it is absolutely one of the ways to have a, a great experience and take advantage of your time fishing that you have. Absolutely, and that's, that's what it's all about. You know, you get two full days to get, to get business taken care of, and uh, that's, what, that's what we're really looking for. You know, we want to maximize as much fishing time as we can. You know, and the, those day-and-a-half trips are great. But, you know, if, if we need to run down the beach or, you know, up the coast or wherever the case is, that extra full day really, really helps. You can get down a little farther, and you can pretty much do anything you need to do. And that's, that's what we're going to try to focus on. You know, and one of the things uh, nice about the Chief is that there's plenty of room aboard the, uh, the vessel. If you've got to bring different type of gear let's say you want to be prepared for the big tuna like you have out there right now going after yellowtail and then going after rockfish and everything like that plenty of rod space plenty of tackle space for you know for that entire gambit and then if you just don't have the gear itself you can get it right there at uh uh h&m landing and uh or i know even sometimes on the boat they've got great uh, gear too Absolutely. We will have, uh, we will pretty much have a full tackle supply on the boat for sale. You know, it, 
at standard tackle store prices. We will also have uh, seeker rods for our uh, our passengers to, to check out, as well as uh, a little bit of rental gear, hook and hand gear type stuff, and we'll match all that stuff up with uh, with pen reels. Man. So, you know, with the tackle and the rods and reels, I mean, if for the novice angler, instead of going into the tackle store and scratching their head, not really knowing what to buy, we'll have everything all on the boat. Same price you're going to pay at the top of the landing or at, at any of your various tackle stores throughout around And they here. don't have to and, worry about uh, returning it to the dock. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the best part. You know, you get on the boat, you bring your you bring your duffel bag full of, full of clothes, and you really don't have to worry about anything else. We'll have everything set up for any style of fishing we're doing, whether it's, you know, kelp fish or you know, school-size yellowfin or bluefin tuna, all the way on up to this giant tuna that's been biting. We'll have we'll have everything and enough to get people taken care of. All right. That's hey, awesome. we are speaking with uh, Captain Rick Russell. He's the new owner-operator of uh, Chief Sports Fishing at H&M Landing. And, Rick, I know you're biting at the bit almost to take off uh, and uh, go after some bluefin, but can I ask you to stay uh, aboard with us for just a little bit longer and we can – Talk about those fish that you're going after? Absolutely. Hey, you are listening to Rod and Reel Radio on AM 540 or at com. Wendy is with me tonight. Stan, he's got a house full of family, so he's entertaining them, but I know he's listening. I'm glad you're listening, too. Stay tuned to Rod and Reel Radio. There's more to come after these messages. can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. 
Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum Fishing, we are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, Wendy and I, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Uh, Stan is off tonight. He's got a house full of family, so he's taking care of them. But we also have a, have a house full here at Rod and Reel Radio, and our First guest tonight, Captain uh, Rick Russell. He's owner-operator of Chief Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. And, and Rick, you know, when you take over a new boat like that, are you bringing over crew from other vessels uh, that you're on? Tell us uh, a little bit. Uh, are you still to assemble crew, uh, or, or do you have it all pretty well set up right now? As it sits right now, we kept a few of the guys from the existing crew. And we have added a few more guys from various different boats. And, you know, we're always looking for guys for, uh, you know, relief, backup type stuff. But as it sits right now, we've got a full crew of six. Plus, uh, we're, we're looking into a, a pinhead or two for the season. Plus, we've got two or three relief guys as well that are, uh, that are kind of on standby for once we uh, get rolling here. You know, I, I know a lot of people remember going out on on the Chief with uh, Chris and Jake and even times before that going out on the uh, uh, the big game. Uh, uh, is the boat, are there going to be some open dates available where people can get on the boat, do you think? Or are you going to try to make it parties and charters? Or what do you think the mix is going to be? We do have some charters. Uh... We've got a few on the books already, and we're anticipating some more. But we will have a full open party schedule. We will have uh, that hopefully posted, I'd say, within the next month or so, whether it's on our website or H&M Landing's website as well. Excuse All me. right. Um, so, and like I said, everything from day-and-a-half to three-and-a-half-day trips in that open party block, we're going to focus mainly on twos and two-and-a-halves. And like I said, that will be available online, I would say, within the next month or so. I know the office is working on getting that up there now. We do have our full weekend schedule for January, February, and March already posted on our website, as well as H&M Landing's website. So we are taking reservations for that as well. Well, now, tell me, man, the... 
fight out there right now has been incredible. We've gotten the reports from the Liberty and the Aztec and private boaters uh, with some huge bluefin tuna out there within day and a half range. Uh, some people are even saying there's some big eye out there. Uh, I know you're eager to get on out there. You're you're taking some guys out there tonight. Uh, tell us, uh, what do you know? What's happening out there? You know, it sounds like it's really phenomenal fishing for the guys that have been out there somewhat close to home, well within day and a half range. And the grade of fish is absolutely outstanding. Anywhere from, call it, 100 pounds on up to 200-plus pounds. And from what I've gathered, the majority of it's 120 to 160, 170 pounds. And it's biting just about all methods, flat fall lures, the sinker rigs, fly line baits. Sounds like some guys are flying the kite out there and getting in on that as well. So we've got pretty high hopes for for this evening's excursion. Like I said, we're going to take the crew out here, and we're going to try to get some of this done ourselves. We don't get to do this very often. Oh, so man, That sounds like a fun trip. trip. Yeah, <laughs> but it sounds like these fish are not for the lighthearted if you're talking that they're the grade that they are. No, this is definitely a style of fish, which, you know, we saw this a few months back, uh, and it bit for a few days. You know, that, that big fish has been around for quite a while now, and we had a few days earlier in the summer where it bit pretty well for quite a few of the boats that, that we're out there giving it a shot. And it sounds like it's the same style of fishing right now. You know, with this particular style of fish, it, again, big fish, not for everybody. You know, anybody can do it with a little bit of help from the crew and, you know, open ears. But this is definitely something that takes a whole lot of work to get these things on the boat. They pull hard, they're big, they're mean, and you got to be geared properly. You know, 60, 80, 100-pound string, two-speed reel, lots of spectra. You know, a, a rail rod is preferable. Not everyone has got into that whole deal as of yet. It sounds like most people have, but without the right gear, you're really – you're really fighting against the odds to uh, to put one of the, these big fish on the boat. Yeah, and that would be a shame to work that hard on such a big fish and and that you came under gunned and, and instead of getting a, a fish in, uh, you know, with an under an hour, you spend a much longer time and you finally get it up to color and it's doing the spiral and the next thing you know, you pop the hook out. That is a heartbreaker. It absolutely is. You know, we we saw it earlier this summer, fishing that bigger fish. Guys were showing up with 25, 30, 40-pound gear <laughs> and, you know, long rods and, and all that stuff. And, and to be 100% honest, I'm a long rod guy, and I'm all for trying to kill one of these things on a long rod. But the odds are pretty slim as far as doing it. And... That's people just don't understand. You know, we we're out here every single day. We we see it. We know what's effective and what's not. And you're spending a lot of money to come out on one of these trips. You definitely want to come with the correct gear. 
you know yeah. all all the landings rent rent the proper gear some of the boats have it as far as on the boat um loaner rental gear type stuff it's definitely in in your best favor to make sure you have the right stuff you know for heavy fluorocarbon circle hooks are a must with these bigger fish flat falls that kind of stuff Come you know you're you're really you're really spinning your wheels if if you show up on one of these trips right now with you know with your uh your calico bass gear <laughs> okay well captain rick <laughs> russell uh the new owner uh operator of chief sports fishing out of h&m Lane. and captain rick if we want to get a hold of you find out availability uh see what we could do to charter our group aboard with you uh you know what uh, trips and what durations are are available uh, actually take a look at the boat itself how's the best way to go about doing this right now you can check us out online at chiefsportfishing.com we also have our schedule posted at hmlanding.com or you can give our office a call at 949 949- Four four one nine six three eight, and uh, we, like, like I said, we will have our schedule posted up here as far as the open party goes within a month or so. Charter dates are absolutely still available, and yeah, we would absolutely love to take the charter business. All right, and well, any groups, you know, we we take up to thirty two folks, and uh, we we'd love to see you out here. Give our office a call and. Uh, you know, we'd love to get you set up in any way we can. Well, Captain Rick, we want to wish you the best of luck tonight. And uh, maybe you come back with a little Thanksgiving feast. And we look forward to hearing about your adventures. And Ron Real Radio has always uh, uh, done a charter with the Chief Sports Fishing. I don't see any reason why we should not continue that. But right now, for the immediate future, go out and get them, guy. We're going to give it everything we have. We're, uh, we're getting ready here. We're going to take off at about 8 o'clock tonight, and hopefully we've got a nice report for, uh, for everyone tomorrow. Lots All of right. big fish. All right. Captain Rick Russell, thanks a lot for being with us, sir. Thanks for having me on. All right. All and right. Wendy, yeah, Wendy, that, that bluefin tuna bite that's out there is just phenomenal. I know you've been following it. I have, too. I've had people calling us, people coming into the shop. All of a sudden, uh, you know, 100, 130-pound leader, 100-pound uh, uh, mono, uh, all this 100, 100, uh, you know, 50-pound spectra, where we are normally slow this time of the year is just flying out, out of the shop. You know, and it's awesome because this past week has been really, really slow as far as sales go. And, uh, you know, with these fish showing up right before Thanksgiving, people want to hurry up and get their bluefin for Thanksgiving dinner. So it's working out. Well, <laughs> I'm listen, glad to what, see people getting back on the our, boat. Our, why don't we bring our next guest into the uh, conversation here? He is the executive director of the, uh, the Coastal Conservation Association of California. We brought him in to update us on what the association is doing. Wendy is also a Los Angeles board member for the CCA, but let's introduce our audience. If you haven't already met him, Mr. Wayne Cotto. Wayne, how you doing, sir? Hey, John. Hey, Wendy. How you guys doing? We are doing no, we're okay. We're doing pretty good. 
Yeah, we're not fishing, hey, though. John, How about you? Wendy is also on the, uh, she's on our state board of directors of CCA. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm, I'm and she's John, chairman I'm, of our Artificial Reef Committee. Right. I was just going to say that. I'm the chairman for uh, CCA California uh, for the Artificial Reef Program that we're starting, trying to implement. Well, you know, we're going to have some conversation about that, and we can start off with what you guys are doing, and then we also have uh, Tom Raftigan on uh, later on. But, Wayne, first of all, I know that, uh, you know, you're busy with association things, but what do you think about this phenomenal bite that we have off our coast right now, besides the fact that we're not out there fishing? <laughs> yeah, I can't be more jealous than, uh, than all these people being able to go out and take advantage of this awesome awesome fishery right now and it's right in our backyard you couldn't get it closer and the size of these fish the greatest news that i think i heard uh because i've been at the pacific fisheries management council the last few days but they're the according to the science uh, the scientists from NOAA and nymphs national marine fishery service that those bluefin that we're catching that are in the size range normally of spawning fish but they are not spawning here. They are out here. They're feeding. They're getting bigger. Uh, that's good news that they're not spawning. So that means that it's not a nursery. So they're, they're not going to be protected. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So that's very good news. Uh, great news that they're doing uh, even more tagging in Japan. And those fish are swimming across right now. Uh, we probably will see more tagged fish next year is what they're saying. So we got to keep an eye open. If we catch those tagged fish, we need to make sure that we uh, turn those tags in and those fish. That's going to help the science to help see what's going on with this bluefin fishery. Well, uh, Wayne, in your estimation, even though our water might be cooling down a little bit for the winter, uh, uh, I know the fish want to go where the food is. What what do we estimate is happening with the food supply here uh, that these fish are going to stay around all year? John, the fish, the, the fish follow the food like you're saying. And right now, our fishery has plenty of forage fish available. We have seen the, the return of the squid. Um, we, have the forage, we have the anchovies. The pinhead anchovies have been around all season now for a few years. We have sardine, and we had the red tuna crab the last few years. So we have plenty of, uh, of um, bait in the water for the fish to feed on. You so I think that's why you're seeing more fish here. You're seeing more interactions because there's more, um, there's such a big biomass of bait available for them to feed on. Yeah, Wendy, you were saying? Yeah, and, and not to mention the mackerel that we have all around. Well, you yeah, know, we, have, we have so Absolutely. much bait here, and I mean, shoot, what, you know, like when we're fishing in a tournament, John, why leave fish to find fish? These yeah. fish are staying here because the bait's here. You know, yeah. and I understand that, but, you know, with our weather, weather getting cooler, uh, there isn't a chance that, or the water getting cooler, the chances of the yellowfin sticking around are probably less and less as they like the warmer water. But as I understand it, the bluefin, they can stand the cooler water and stick around for a little while? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. They're, they're a little more tolerant than the yellowfin. Wow. But, I, I think know, we I have know. an opportunity, and don't forget, John. We still got the yellowtail around too, just like yeah. we have every every winter. So, we, you know, there's plenty of like, fish. Plus, the white sea bass they're still here. Um, and we, if we and do you got have all the colder water, you got all the other species in. available too. Yeah, Wendy, you were saying. 
if you know if we do have that cold water if it's a, a la nina and we have that cold water coming in who knows maybe we'll get our albacore back maybe they won't bypass us <laughs> um you know just just last week uh i think it was the aztecs they ended up getting some uh, big eye yeah well, was that ever confirmed wendy I, I heard that they sent the i heard they sent them into the lab yeah um they actually looked at the liver and i heard that they were big eye that is phenomenal. Although, even though I looked at the dorsal fins, and I mean, look at the uh, pectoral fins and the dorsal fins, and it, it looked like a yellow fin, but you can't really yeah. tell until you look at the liver. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, Wayne, we uh, uh, have invited you on to talk about some of the CCA projects, but we've got to take a quick break right now. Can you stay on for just a little bit longer, and we, you can go over with some of the things that, that are happening with the CCA that we need to know about? Absolutely, sir. All right. Hey, Wendy and I, we're going to take break right now. You're listening to Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Or a lot of you are listening online to us, and we appreciate that very much with your favorite app. So stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Kessler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can ensure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Kessler Yachts, 760-815-8866 so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. That's Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Our special guest this hour is Mr. Wayne Cotto. He is the executive director for the Coastal Conservation Association of California. And Wayne, uh, just a, a couple of things we always like to keep contact uh, with you about is you happen to wi- mention white sea bass. Uh, 
the the program that we have for that, and how's the program going with uh, what you're doing with halibut? The program's going great, John. Uh, the white sea bass program is under a scientific review right now. We're waiting for the uh, the documents to be re- released to the public. Uh, we did get a little good news that uh, they did put out some. Fi- they're going to put some fish out to our grow-out pens up and down the coast for the winter run, uh, which is good. They uh, they weren't uh, sure about doing that. And we have a halibut broodstock trip coming up next Tuesday on the 21st out of Dana Wharf Sport Fishing. Uh, we had one last Thursday. We ended up catching only two and keeping one for the hatchery program. Um, I mean, it, it was a little slow. It was an off day on the water. Um, the one day that you're trying to go for a drifting trip and it's flat, um, glassy water. It doesn't quite work. Yeah, kind of works against us. Hey, Wayne, but if someone would like to go water. on one of those trips and help you out, do you have room available, and, and how do they make the contact? Well, on this one, uh, the next one is the last one for the year. It's on the 21st, and unfortunately on this one it's sold out. Right. Uh, as we find about, as I put these trips together, I put them out to all of our CTA Cal members, um, and I offer to, to anybody who wants to join us, um, depending on where it's at and who's sponsoring it is uh, how much it costs. So we don't uh, make any money on it. We just pass it on, and, and we go out and we try to catch fish. And it's you know, a great program. And you happened to mention something that maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with. You mentioned the term grow-up pens, and and that's just because the, the fish are not being uh, grown in one location and released. You have... a uh, number of associates who uh, help you with this program up and down the coast. Yeah, there have been uh, up as, as high as, I think, 12 locations up and down the coast from uh, Channel Island South, um, and it's all volunteer-based, and they they work. I mean, it's, it's a, multiple times a day managing these pens 365 days a year. Because just because you want to take a day off, the fish have to be uh, taken care of. They need to make, make sure that they get fed, that the pens are cleaned, um, and that everything's working properly. So there are a lot of dedicated volunteers up and down the coast managing our pens uh, for the hatchery program. On top of which, uh, we've been working with the department down here in San Diego between the Mission Bay and the Carlsbad facility on work parties. There's always things to do around the hatchery that need to get fixed repaired, um, and we've been uh, working on halibut tanks right now for this new broodstock program. We took one apart down in Mission Bay, and we're going to install two new tanks. We'll have to put them together. We'll have to plumb them with the recirculating pumps, uh, wire them up, and then we'll get them ready for the new halibut broodstock. And then when we're done with that, we're probably going to be working on some of the pens, like over in Catalina and uh, at the Carlsbad uh, Lagoon facility, trying to repair their, uh, their pens. So we got a lot of projects working with them right now. And with the uh, hey Wayne, that, yeah, go ahead, Wayne. Yeah. Um, will there be a, another collection for new broodstock for the white sea bass? We are planning to do that. We have to get the pens over in Catalina uh, repaired. Uh, they got damaged last winter, um, but we're trying to figure out how to get those repaired because right now the best opportunity we have is over at Catalina to do the white the white sea bass collection. So we could mm-hmm. do private boats to collect them, put them in the pens, and then get a bigger boat, like one of the uh, the saner boats, to be able to transport them back here to the facilities. But we do need to, we do need more broodstock for white sea bass. It's and on Wayne, the agenda. 
with the halibut breeding program, are you seeing any signs yet? Because you've had this program going, you know, it hasn't been for a long time, but do you actually see some signs of maybe there being some light at the end of the tunnel, some success with your efforts? Uh, well, we had success as far as breeding them in captivity right off the bat. That's um, yeah, we, we, the, the fish that we caught last November and earlier this year spawned right before Fred Hall uh, in March this year. Yeah, so that was a babies, great sign. Uh, yeah, so there's baby Wendy's in the tank somewhere. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and now, hey, there's a, there's a little, little Wayne in the tank now, too. I, I got one finally. So, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> you got to watch out. I think that name's copyrighted, Wayne, so you got to no, watch no, out. I'm, I, it was a little, little Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, hey, tonight we're dedicating uh, some of the show, too, to artificial reefs because there's been uh, it seems like there's been a little movement from the, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife when it comes to that, Wayne. Uh, tell us what the uh, the CCA is doing, and especially in the association with Windy, when it comes to artificial reefs. Because I know there's a, a people out there wondering, why aren't there artificial reefs all up and down the coast since we've been we've been fishing off the coast here for over 100 years? And there just doesn't seem to be a lot of movement in that area. Well, actually, there are a lot of reefs off the coast. There's probably 150 reefs up and down California. And uh, what's happened over time is the number of reefs and the materials that they put out there, and uh, the majority of them, if not all of them, are under permit. Uh, They never got naturalized by the department. So right now the department put their brakes on all artificial reefs. They want to have them all studied. They want to have them all reviewed. Uh, And what they're doing is trying to set up a statewide program so that uh, it would be a statewide-run reefing-type event so that you only go through all of the, the experiment, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, scientific reviews and all of your uh, documents, the CEQA documents and all of those kind of things that you need to go through to get any projects done off our coast. We'll kind of centralize so, all that. So that's so part John, of it. So, yeah, Wendy. Um, so, John, CCA... Um, um, and our Artificial Reef Committee, and, and especially Wayne, our executive director, um, had a huge hand in organizing the, um, the Artificial Reef stakeholder meetings that we held this year. Okay. Up and down Southern California. Wayne had a lot to do with it. Um, you want to tell him about it, Wayne? Yeah, so what happened was we had to start the ball with the department because uh, the program right now is, was on hold for the last couple of years. Um, so we sat down with the department, and we got them to agree that we needed to restart this program. The starting point was to get the information out to everybody and, and get the users back engaged. So we coordinated with the department on doing three uh, meetings up and down the coast, one up in Sacramento, one in Oxnard, and one down, uh, down here in Los Alamitos. And so that was the jumpstart of the program uh, in conjunction. And that was a very successful program. We had people in the room from all, all the different uh, areas of expertise Agency. or backgrounds. Yeah, and uh, we, we helped them run the meeting. So that was successful. Uh, now we're on to the next step, trying to get the scientific protocol together and then getting the groups and the funding together to go actually do the reviews of the reef. In the meantime, we're still pushing for the Wheeler North Reef right there at San Onofre. Uh, the expansion of that reef, which has looked like it's moving forward with Southern California Edison. 
and we're watching the Palos Verdes uh, restoration reef, uh, and it looks like that's going to go through. So there's a little bit of movement on different types of reefs, but not to just build one from scratch. There have, there's some mitigation type reefs and restoration reefs that are wow. being built. Now, so, wait, it, a lot it, of movement. It, there just seems like when you talk about a lot of movement, uh, a year ago, we, you know, most people didn't know what the CCA was, what they were doing and everything. And in that year, you and Wendy and, and, and the board members, you've worked hard. And I think you've gotten yourself on the map to, uh, you know, to let people know that, hey, there are some serious issues that we're facing as recreational or commercial anglers here uh, off the Southern California coast. And now there's a group here to represent what it is that we need done to, to try and help the uh, this particular uh, resource that uh, we all have known and grown to love. Yeah, the, the great part about being part of the National CCA uh, organization is that we come in right off the bat with their 40 years of background, the other 18 states, the other 200 and and. 20 chapters, uh, there's 120,000 members nationally that we're a part of. California is a big state, it's, you know, uh, one of the largest. They've been waiting for us to come along, um, and we hit the ground running. We started right at the national level. We got people on our regional boards, like the Pacific Fisheries Management Council. We got John Bellotti from the L.A. Rod and Reel Club, who's also our, now our uh, president of our L.A. chapter on the MPA Federal Advisory Committee. We have a number of people that we have uh, put in the nominations to MAFAC, another NOAA uh, advisory committee. We've got people that we're, you know, working on to try to get into the commissions and the councils. I've on a, I'm on a number of workshop committees and council, uh, 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 committees right now working on everything from our M- MPA collaboratives to our MLA, MLMA amendment, the ERA, which is our uh, – how we assess our, our resources, uh, and then we're, we're engaged at all levels. The Modern Fish Act, which is the, the update to the Magnuson-Stevenson Act at the national level, uh, working with the federal, uh, at the federal level with the tribes on the sea lion issue, uh, working at the state level here. I mean, there's bills all the time, whether that's the 12-month license or the, the whale and sea lion entanglement acts that we got to watch out for, Department of Toxic Substances with our fishing weights and gear, which – we ended up on a priority list, which we don't belong on, but we got to watch it. We're watching for the wind farming up in the Ventura, I mean, uh, the, uh, Monterey County area. We're watching the mussel farming and the aquaculture off of Ventura and down here. I mean, there's so much going on right now. We're still fighting at the this whole weekend. I was up at the up at the Pacific Fisheries Management Council meetings, and we're still talking about drift gill net and try how we're going to get rid of it and the long lines. And I'm actually working right now on proposals to bridge the gap between the commercial fleet and the uh, environmental groups on how to try to buy out a number of those permits. Um, so sitting down with all those parties and being that arbitrator, putting that together. I- I'm actually working on the document as we speak, in fact, uh, working on our groundfish. I mean, look at our, our groundfish. We've been closed out on a number of species. We have our rockfish conservation areas. We lost yellow eye and canaries and widow rockfish, but yet all those closures are starting to prove themselves to be fruitful. It's worked. The, the stock assessment are ahead of schedule, and we're starting to see things get opened back up. 
So now we're trying to watch out for Sculptin and Lincod and things like that. We have to still be diligent on all of that. Um, we're making sure all of our guys are up and down the coast are engaging in the MPA collaboratives. Uh, a good example is uh, Wendy and I and, and Donna are on the Orange County. We have John Bellotti getting on the L.A. County. We have David Bacon up in Santa Barbara. Uh, myself and Steve Moat just got added to the San Diego Collaborative, of which we got a meeting here coming up on December 14th. Uh, I, it just keeps going, you know, John. We, uh, we're starting to work with some of the science groups up, up and down the coast. We got invited. I got invited. Uh, Merritt got invited. Wendy to go fish inside of two of the oldest uh, uh, MPAs that we have in the state, and Anacapa and Santa Rosa Island. And I got to, I got to go do it, and <laughs> it's it's awesome because we get to go watch and see and hold the science available right. to what they're studying and what they're seeing. I've got I've got video footage, underwater video footage that they don't have yet of everything that we were fishing for and what it looked like down there. I've got pictures and and I and I can say now that I saw it and I know what's going on inside of those areas. And Merritt got to go do it too, so that's good. We're going to be able to to talk to the MPAs and the pros and the cons, you know, and the science that's going to be backing it up. Um, we got a couple things coming up. We've got fishing communities meetings coming up here on December 5th at the Hadley Hotel. This is put on by the Fish and Game Commission. We need all of our users, commercial, uh, ancillary groups, all of the areas that have to do with fishing, the, the port. We need all of these guys come into this meeting because this is where the fishing game listens to everybody in the community up and down the coast and says, hey, this is the issue. The issues that we have with too much regulation, too many closures, uh, I can't go fish, I can't afford my license, whatever it is. We need but more artificial reefs. We need more reefs. We need to keep the, uh, the, fish, uh, the hatchery program going. We want to expand the species coming out of the hatchery like the halibut. Right. These are all things that they need to hear by, from the public. We need more open access. Quit shutting our areas down. Uh, keep the piers open. You need to keep the surf line open to us. We need more access to bait. Um, anything, piers, uh, the, the docks, everything that's going on around our seaport villages or our commercial docks, you know, the whole uh, boat-to-consumer thing that we're trying to work on down here. All those right. are the types of things that need to get put out. Everybody it seems like it. if we don't have people like you and the fishermen to support you, that instead of us, uh, you know, getting done what we want to get done, there's going to be some other group over there that wants to close this down or close that down or whatever it is. And it, it, it always seems to be uh, a struggle uh, of us against them. And uh, uh, the CCA is is our voice when it comes to, uh, recreational and commercial fishing. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, it's absolutely true, John. And it, the scariness is is that when we go to the meetings, we are to- absolutely outnumbered. And every one of those guys on the environmental side are doctors of marine biology or doctors of something to do with fish. And they get paid big money and they have deep pockets and they get paid to go to all these meetings. There will be ten of them to every one of us. No. On the recreational side, there's only a handful of us that ever show up to the meetings. On the commercial side, there's three or four guys that pretty much show up to all the meetings. That's it. That's all the representation we ever see in California. So it is very scary right now that they're railroading us. Uh, yeah. I saw three proposals to shut areas down already at the Pacific Fisheries Management Council. 
Well, Wayne, you, we put out so much information over here, it's almost hard. It's mind-boggling to keep track of it. Yeah. And I've, I've got to admire you in the fact that uh, you can. But if people want to find out what's happening with the CCA of California, some of the things that, that you're getting into, and more importantly, to support your efforts and know that the efforts of the CCA are just knowing, not going down to down some black hole that's being eaten up by administrative costs or something like that, but to get some real results accomplished, how's the best way to do it? Well, you can always go to our website, ccacalifornia.org. Go to our Facebook page, uh, CCA of California. Uh, we, we opened up our Instagram page, uh, page. That's more for the fun stuff and, and where we're at at, at any one time. Uh, or any subject matter that comes up that's current. Um, you know, like we did this uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife, the Fishing Passport Program. Wendy was involved in that. We had a number of them this year, and then all of a sudden we hit the brakes because the department ran into bureaucracy issues with contracts. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with funding. Just contract guys wouldn't get it, get it on their, their stick. So what happened? We lost uh, a number of passport program events. That means that we, the thing that we're trying to do is get more people fishing, and we couldn't get the fishing because our state government couldn't get out of the way. We had the boats lined up. We had the volunteers lined up. We had the department lined up. We had gear lined up, everything. And they couldn't get to a contract. Wow. It was yeah. so sad to see. And now they're going to lose that money for the year that we had all grant money set aside for it. Wow. So it was all paid for. And it's and just sad to see that we get stuck in things like that. All right. Well, Wayne, I can't thank you enough for being with us and exposing us to some of these things. I think you opened up the eyes to a lot of people that are listening to the show that just don't realize the things that are going on on their behalf, especially with the CCA. So thank you for being with us. We wish you a good Thanksgiving. Hope you can get out to get those bluefin, sir. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All right, John. Thanks, Wendy. Hey, thanks a lot, hey, Wayne. Hey, yeah. Wendy and I, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, uh, the president of the Sports Fishing Conservancy, Mr. Tom Rafkin. He's going to come up. He's going to talk about some of the issues we talked about and other things that might be interesting to you fishermen out there. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more to come on Rod Real Radio after these messages. can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon. Cajonford.com. 
He's not just my fishing buddy. After 30 years, he's a brother, and I'd sure hate to lose him. His bass boat's got nothing to do with it. So I make sure both of us wear a life jacket. Save the ones you love, even if they don't own a fancy boat. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners, be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing, marine traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words code group in the App Store on your smartphone. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Wendy Toshihara and I, we'd like to welcome you back to the second hour of Ron Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg, he's got family at home for the holidays and he's out entertaining them and he preferred that you not hear that entertainment come across the radio while we were on the air so stan i hope you're spending a great time with your family have a great thanksgiving and we look forward to speaking with you next week hey you know we've been speaking a little bit about artificial reefs and some of the circumstances around them and i wanted to invite our first guest on to talk about just that subject and a few other things. So I invited Mr. Tom Raftigan. He is the uh, president of the Sports Fishing Conservancy. Tom, welcome to Ron Real Radio, sir. John, hey, great to be there. Wendy, good to be there with you. And I'm just sorry we can't share some of that stuff with Stan. I'll bet it's exciting. <laughs> well, last time I talked to Stan was about 15 minutes before we got on the air. And he sounded like he was in the middle of a shopping mall more than anything else. <laughs> but well, you know how that goes for the holidays, especially family. They come first for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Tis the season. So. Hey, Tom, uh, a lot of people uh, that are listening, especially the younger people, they go, uh, Tom Raftigan, I'm familiar with that name. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about what get got you to this particular point in time so we can go on further? Uh, sure. Hey, I, um, you know, it, it's interesting we're talking about Stan. Um, I ran a, a television show, South Coast Real News, in Santa Barbara for a number of years and actually had Stan on as a guest way back in the day. No kidding. Uh, but I've basically been, you know, interested in sport fishing now for, you know, well, since I was a kid, but but uh, almost on a professional level for over 20 years. Uh, ran United Anglers in Southern California for 11 years and then graduated from there and uh, founded and still run the Sport Fishing Conservancy. And uh, we take on projects. We want to make sure that there are fish and fishermen out there. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's an interesting job. It, it really... Um, 
and artificial reefs construction habitat uh, as part of that. So that kind of brings me to the you know where you're at. All right. Well, you know we we had and we touched on it for a little while. We had uh, uh, Wayne Cotto, the uh, executive director for the Coastal Conservation Association mm-hmm. of California. We talked on that subject briefly, but is there a history of artificial reefs? Because when you look at the ocean floor, especially here in Southern California, there there are extensions of alluvial fans that come down from the Santa Monica area along our coast all the way down to San Diego. We don't have a lot of structure there. Maybe we have some along the Palos Verdes Peninsula and a, a few other places. It doesn't tell... It doesn't get until, I guess, you get up, you know, farther north of Oxnard where you start getting a, a lot more structure in the water. So especially down here, artificial reefs have, have been really important. Is, is there a history, and how far back do, do the reefs go in, in the history of Southern California fishing? John, John it's, it is a checkered history, and I think, first of all, you're right when you take a look at the Southern California Bite, which is basically um, Point Conception south of the Mexican border. Uh, you look, and, and uh, the estimates that I've seen are between 90 and 95% of the, the seafloor is soft strata, either mud or sand. So it's not very productive structure. Um, artificial reefs, if you go back, oh, I, and I'm not exactly sure when the, when the uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife started their artificial reef project, but, but it has to have been... And you know, pre nineteen nineties, they yeah. They, um, Russ Iser ha- actually did his and was permitting Iser's reef for uh, late seventies, early eighties. Right, and, and Wendy, you know, we, you know, with the United Anglers of Southern California, we actually made some drops on Iser Reef going back in the mid and late nineties. Um, I'm not sure when the entire program started, but. The, the problem is, is the Department of Fish and Wildlife dropped their artificial reef program, and I think it was right around 2000 and 2001. They had a team on there, Dave Parker um, uh, and, and a couple other folks, and basically reassigned them and, and, and took them off that the team. So for more than a decade, there was no advancement on artificial reefs whatsoever. And I, I want to hats off to Chuck Bonham, uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife. He's the executive director there. And Craig Schumann, who's their marine region manager, they've fired up the team again. Now, this is not full-fledged team we're going to put reefs in, but what they are doing is taking a look at and going, all right, first of all, and and thanks to Wayne and CCA, really did a good job of helping um, get folks in and, and providing feedback to the Department of Fish and Wildlife. The department ran a series of meetings around the state, uh, I missed the one down in your neck of the woods. I did attend the one in Sacramento. And and they've done a pretty good job of, of trying to line out where we're going with this and, and, and uh, you know, what the future kind of looks like with this. So uh, they don't have funding for anything. I think um, Craig Schumann took a couple of his biologists and put them on this thing about 20% of the time. That's... That's the bad news, but it's also the good news because we do have someone there. There is now a desk to that has uh, you know artificial reefs on it, so that we can start moving forward on some of this stuff. Wendy, if if you will, uh, you mentioned some. Of, we were talking about some of the earlier efforts, and you mentioned Rust Iser and the effort about that. Can 
Can you fill us in a little bit about, uh, you know, the making of that reef and, and what it was all about and how it came about since it was actually one of the earlier efforts? Um, well, well I... a, quick sto- a, a quick story would be that uh, when uh, Russ was running, uh, um, I think it was, I'm not sure whether it was the Faith or one of his boats, he ran into Irv Grisbeck, and he told Irv when he first met Irv on the water, he said, make sure... When he first started, when, when Irv started out, he said, make sure you protect the resource and think of the future. And that's how Russ always thought. And so back in uh, early 80s, they started the permitting process for Iser's Reef. And to make a long story short, he um, got rubble from a bridge or concrete from a bridge, $5,000 and a barge, and they were able to make Iser's Reef. All right, and... And can you add more to that, Tom? I mean, how successful has that reef been when it comes to the the resource of, of uh, recreational fishing? Well, I'm not the one to ask on that, but I think if you ask any of the party boats from, from Huntington right. Beach up through Long Beach, they will tell you they still fish Iser Reef. We work with uh, the Consolidated Edison Company, and, uh, and they they started discontinuing the use of, of concrete uh, of power poles and had just, uh, I was going to say not a, a ton, they had a, a, an entire yard full of them. We took a couple of reef loads, uh, a couple of barge loads out there, contracted for the barge, and added them to Iser Reef. And, you know, it was great. It was very high-relief structure. And, like I said, the reef is still functioning. You, you, you know, the party boats still use it today. It's one of the better habitats in the southern, you know, when you look at the south coast there. So, it's effective. It works, and uh, it provides a pretty good model. I think you know the only thing really moving on artificial reefs right now is um, Dr. Dan Pondella, Southern California Marine Institute, has been working with the folks over at the uh, Montrose Project. The Montrose Project, uh, you know, they, they cleaned up DDT, and, and they, they there was a problem because you know it hurt fishing in Southern California, yes. recreational fishing in particular. And Montrose said, "We're going to we're going to put this thing together. We're going to." build artificial reefs, and they've been dragging their feet on this. This is Noah. They've been dragging their feet on this for, uh, I mean, 15 years. I can remember going in there in the early 2000s. And, but Dan Pondella has done uh, a great job. Like I said, I think he runs the Southern California Marine Institute. He's also uh, biology. I think he runs the biology department at Occidental uh, College. Great guy and gets it and has also, you know, really helped try to put this thing together off Palos Verdes. Now, now, Tom, just recently in the news, uh, you know, you think we, we could use all the structure we want, uh, we can get. It seems like uh, there was a reef that was, I believe, was off San Onofre. There was an old tire reef that they decided it needed to get out of there. What, uh, what happened there, and why did tires not turn out to be a good alternative? Well, that, that really isn't off San Onofre. San Onofre has got a reef that was put together through uh, mitigation funds through uh, San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station. When they came in, there was a, a, a uh, and it was really about uh, turbidity and, and, and water movement there. But Edison came up, and they've got a reef there. And it really is, it's a very successful reef also. It's, it's a cross between concrete rubble and, and um 
quarry rock, uh, but but they did that very professionally. They're doing a good job of studying that there, and that and that really works. Now, the wreath you're referring to is um, there's a fellow by the name of Rudolf Streichenberger that put uh, a reef off of, and this is off of the Balboa Pier, right off of Newport. Okay. And and everybody complained about the reef and said it, you know, and, and you know, you need to have proper structure. You need to do the homework on this thing. I, I'm not, you know, um, let's do it right. Let's let's don't do it wrong. But but everybody yelled and complained about it. But the other thing is, if you want to catch any halibut, you you fish near uh, Rudolph Reef. So um, you know. These things are effective no matter what they are. Tires tend to drift after a while. So, you, you, like I said, let me underline this. This is not, you know, getting saying, yes, let's put tires out there. Um, the department has, you know, the, the artificial reef plan for California has got pretty strict uh, restrictions on um, core, on what you can put down there. It's got to be complex structure. It can be uh, concrete, but it's got to be clean. There can't be rebar in it. And, the, and then, of course, it can use quarry rock. So uh, the, the, the thing is, almost anything will attract uh, marine life down there, but let's make sure that we do the right thing. I understand. Now, uh, also, uh, you know, we have a rich history here in Southern California of the petroleum industry and offshore drilling. Have there been uh, um, uh, oil rigs that are no longer functional that have been uh, – dedicated to reefs and are are there some off of our southern california coast right now john that's a really good question and the answer is still up in the air uh back in 2010 we carried some legislation um ab 2503 it became law was signed into law by uh governor schwarzenegger and it allows a partial decommissioning of an offshore platform uh Unfortunately, the process to do that is pretty convoluted. Nobody's followed the process. There haven't been any rigs decommissioned off of California, any platforms decommissioned off of California. Um, I think the last ones actually were on Belmont Island in Long Beach Harbor, um, and that really wasn't, I mean, that was the island being decommissioned. It wasn't a platform. After that, um, the only thing that, that I know of that was decommissioned was, was an individual project that was really an oil pier uh, called a Bird Island up off of uh, Gaviota. And, and that actually works as a really good artificial reef, but they, it was maintained. Uh, Audubon came in and, and had nesting areas put above, above the, the surface, so it, it worked out as a joint project. We've been trying to get um, some of the offshore platforms to uh, get into a partial decommissioning and w- relying on uh, AB 2503. It just hasn't happened yet. Now, interestingly enough, um, Platform Holly was run by Venico. This is off of uh, really Goleta. And Venico just declared bankruptcy, so this... Uh, platform Holly there will 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 be decommissioned now whether it's partially decommissioned or not you know remains to be seen but uh, you know there's an opportunity there because these platforms provide incredibly rich habitat incredibly rich habitat uh, Wendy I suspect you've probably fished some of these yeah and you know it's it's 
these artificial reefs, um, a lot of them are still good today, and even uh, still some of the um, ships to reefs that have been put down, um, mm-hmm. they're, you know, to me, they're, they're wonderful. And I, I hope that, you know, we're going to be able to add more artificial reefs, you know, one day that's not in a mitigation area. Hey, guys, can we take a break right now, Tom? Can you stay with us for a little bit longer? Sure, I'll stick around for a while. You bet. Uh, all right. Hey, this is Rod and Real Radio. we got Tom Raftigan. He is the president of the Sports Fishing Conservancy. We're talking about artificial reefs. We might get on to a couple of other things, though, before we're finished here. But you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stay tuned. Wendy and I will be back with our special guest, Tom Raftigan, after these messages. I like rafting. I love whitewater. But I never forget that snowmelt in the river can cause cold water shock. I wear a life jacket always. Anyone with me has got to do the same. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hi, it's Tony Gwynn. Nobody treats you better. Nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Hi, it's Tony Gwynn Jr. For years, my dad said it so often. Nobody beats El Cajon Ford. And nobody treats you better. And that's so true. Now I am proud to join the El Cajon Ford team because with them, it's all about family. They treat you right. You're part of our family at El Cajon Ford. Thanks, Tony. We'll see you at Broadway in East Main and ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Before we get back with Tom, listening to that uh, spot that we had for El Cone Ford, I want to again thank all the sponsors of the Wounded Warrior event last weekend. Uh, we fished on Lake El Capitan. When I last reported to you, we had over $6,800 in donations. Well, we need to thank uh, uh, Chairman uh, Robert DeWelch, Jr. of the VAS Tribe Council, they came through with another great donation to that event. We want to thank El Cajon Ford for helping us with raising funds for that event. 
We have now over $12,000 in cash that we have raised for the Wounded Warriors of Imperial County. Thank you to everyone that contributed. This is going to be an annual event. Look forward to seeing it in the future. Thank you, everyone, that was a part of it. Hey, we're going back to our guest now. We have Tom Raftigan. He is the president of the Sports Fishing Conservancy. And, and Tom, uh, Wendy just touched a little bit on, uh, uh, on a, a program called uh, Ships to Reefs. Uh, I know down here in San Diego we had a, uh, a destroyer that was uh, sunk out in shallow water that has become a reef. Has the Ships to Reef program, has, has that been a successful program that you're aware of? Well, that's the Yukon, which is off San Diego, and it's actually in the city of San Diego, which made it far easier to get it done and get it permitted. Uh, Dick Long, uh, who was uh, DUI, the, the underwater dive, uh, the, the uh, dry suit maker, um, and, and a tremendous outdoorsman, conservationist and diver was the one that got behind that project and carried it through and that's been the lead effort on ships to reefs you know reefing is a difficult thing in california and first of all you know wendy you were saying that yeah we need more and we need some in different areas i absolutely agree with you you know this is not artificial reef it's constructed habitat uh, we've done a lot of science on this. It shows that, in particular, the offshore platforms are, are very productive. Um, as a matter of fact, it's, they are, for their size, they are the most productive habitat studied anywhere in the world. So, yeah, this attaboy, let, let's go forward and get that. Um, Ships to Reefs is, is this, you know, a, again, one of those programs that it gets to be difficult in California um, the one in the city of San Diego that made it a little bit easier once you get out of there. I mean, you're dealing with not only uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, the Fish and Game Commission, um, the Coastal Commission will weigh in on this very heavily. The Army Corps of Engineers, the, the Coast Guard. I, I, I mean, the permitting on this stuff is is um, complex and, and mind-boggling. So, and costly. one of the big problems. And costly, costly. yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So <laughs> what is going to happen? Uh, is there going to be a set of side uh, guidelines that uh, we can follow with regards to creating new reefs that I know they're awful expensive. Uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife does not have the money, and I know sometimes there's grant money out there. But like Russ Iser, he uh, took the initiative. He financed a lot what was happening you came along yep. and you had some funding too. Will there be guidelines? Do you think that we'll be following in the future, Tom? Well, the guidelines out there right now, and again, we've been working, we still work on on the Riggs to Reefs project. Uh, we've got a, a bill that would actually streamline the process a little bit. This does not shortcut it at all. It, you know, these things still have to provide a net environmental benefit. You have to have the science behind it to show that that the uh, and this would be about decommissioning a platform. You have to have the science behind it that, that is you know jury. This is peer reviewed science. It shows yes, this is. Uh, providing a net environmental benefit, but we're, we've got something that would clean up the process a little bit and make a very um, 
a, a more direct path so that you don't have to have five different agencies working and each one coming back with a different conclusion so that there would be a path through it so that they all kind of agree on this. Uh, it, you know, State Lands Commission would, would probably looks to take the lead on this. We'll have to see. Um, it's just been difficult getting that through the legislature uh, lately for a lot of some good reasons, some bad reasons. So, all right, it's an it's an adventure. Tom, let's go on to another subject. As a matter of fact, I had a text on, and this was something we wanted to touch on. the The uh, Sports Fishing Conservancy also is involved uh, a lot with uh, some of the netting that's done out there. Nets. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of your efforts on behalf of uh, that problem. Uh, well, this, I, I don't know if anybody's been to Hawaii or Florida or a lot of other areas or actually in Northern California, but, but cast nets are, are allowed to be used. Yeah. And they're allowed to be used in California above Point Conception, but for some reason in the law, uh, way back when, when it was written, you can't use them south of Point Conception. And we worked uh, a year and a half, two years ago, to try and get that changed. Uh, April Wakeman, um, who's a conservation director uh, at the Sport Fishing Conservancy, has worked really hard trying to get that changed. We've worked with the commission on it, um, and it, the department came back and said, hey, look, we really don't, you know, we have a lot going on right now. You know, we, we've got artificial reefs that we're dealing with. We have the Marine Life Management Act uh, that we're trying to get in place, and we really don't want to take this on right now. It's another it's another thing, and, and besides it would impact Grunion, and there were a number of other reasons. So what we're doing right now is trying to take a look at the different uh, things that the department came up with and put together a way of addressing those those uh, those instances. Uh, Joaquin Espinosa works with us on this. Uh, Joaquin's with Promar, so you know they, they they're kind of helping us uh, along the way. And uh, you know we're trying to put something together. And actually, we'll have Wayne Kota and uh, uh, CCA along with this, because it's going to take a comprehensive effort to get this done. But what it would do would be allow um, basically recreational fishermen to go out, use cast nets. And, again, this is this is picking up forage. This is picking up uh, bait fish. And we'll probably target predominantly squid with this, and then we'll have to look for ways to ensure that, that, that it doesn't impact the grunion fishery. I mean, you know, it would be outlawed anyhow, but we want to make it a little bit easier for enforcement on that. Well, you know, thank God uh, the uh, the seal population doesn't have anything to to do with that uh, population <laughs> of forage. But is there any reasoning why north of Point Conception, but all the fine people in Southern California that have to pay an extra saltwater enhancement fee on their license, why they can't go out and use a cast net uh, for uh, for bait fish? Uh- my personal opinion is no, there is no good reason behind that. But, but you know, like I said, the department sees it a little bit differently. We will pursue this, okay? You know, we've got a couple of people that are going to work with the clubs in Southern California. We will, you know, we're on this right now. Um, the, the problem with anything in California is none of this stuff happens quickly, okay? We, you know, we're, we'll... We'll put something together, and by the time it gets in front of the, the commission again, and, and, and again, April is the expert on this. She's the one that's worked with um, 
some of the folks on the commission and and some of the folks at the department who had issues with with the the uh, change of regulations that we put forward. So you've got to come in, kind of address those things, and then go forward with it. And like I said, we've got a team together. I think we're waiting for a conference call on this right now. So it's in the works. And, and most of the stuff, it gets really boring. And, and you know, mm-hmm. you just got to really stay after it and then fit it within the schedules of, of you know, the management schedules, uh, mainly of the Fish and Game Commission. They're the ones that kind of try to set policy for the Department of Fish and Wildlife. All right. You know, if you will, just briefly, uh, uh, Tom, uh, talk a little bit about the uh, Sports Fishing Conservancy. Uh, uh, what are some of your objectives and goals that, that you're trying to do, not only now, but in the future and in, in the, the next few moments that we have left uh, uh, before we, uh, we have to wish you goodbye? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry Recognizing to... that with privilege comes responsibility, the, the mission of the Sport Fishing Conservancy is to, um, uh, what we do is we encourage fishermen to celebrate and fulfill their commitment to their sport and to real-world conservation. So this is about fish and fishermen. And, you know, that that's the other thing. It's really important. You know, recreational fishermen in California haven't always had the best name out there. We, you know, and what we try to do is ensure that we are, again, holding the high ground on conservation. So this is not about turning conservation over to the corporate conservation community. It's, it's getting those folks that are out on the water, make sure that, that we uh, get recognized for the good work we do. We do a no-motor tournament every year, and, and the only requirement there is that you, you know, you, it's for surf fishing, for kayaks, for stand-up paddleboard, or, or those shark donuts. And we give out prizes. We usually give it a, a stand-up paddleboard or, or a kayak for it. But the proceeds of the tournament all go into salt marsh restoration of carpentry and salt marsh. That salt marsh kicks out the halibut in the area, uh, you know, in, in Carpentry or Santa Barbara area. It's really important to keep that there and make sure that that's restored in good shape. So we've donated, uh, donated I think, right around $10,000 to the Santa Barbara Land Trust for their work on restoration efforts there. But those are the things we do. We do PCH, poachers can't hide. We have laminated cards that, that we get out to the fishing clubs and make sure that if you see something that's going wrong, Everybody goes, oh, man, you know, this guy was poaching. He was doing something or, you know, what the, the PCH card does is, first of all, it's got Caltech's phone number on it. So here, this is where you can call. And then on the back of the card, and, again, it's a laminated card. You can stick the thing in your wallet. You've got this is the information the warden's going to need to make a case. So it's like, hey, look, at, you know, first of all, don't approach the person, but, but you know, take a note, you know, who was doing this? Uh, did they were they in a boat? Where they have a vehicle? Which direction were they headed? Can you put provide a description? So that's on the back of the cards. But those are the things that we do. You know, we're trying to make sure that we're recognized as the good guys out there, Wendy, good guys and good gals, because there are a lot of <laughs> women fishermen out there that make us guys look pretty bad sometimes. But but make sure that recreational anglers get a good name for themselves. Make sure that they're fish out there, and make sure that we still have access to them. Right. Hey, Tom, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us and talk about some of these issues. And, man, I think you hit the nail on the head that to sit through these endless meetings, 
to keep track of what's happening can sometimes be as boring as hell, but it's someone's got to do it because it's all part of the process and it, you can miss just one little segment and you could lose the whole enchilada if you're not careful. So I've got to appreciate the work that you've done and Wendy, especially you too, because you've sat through those meetings. We, we want to thank you very much for the good work that you do. And I hope we can uh, call on you from time to time when certain subjects and matters come up and we can call upon your expertise to kind of straighten everything out for us and make sense of what's happening. You bet, John. And the other important thing is making sure this gets out to people, and this is your role, and you've done a good job making sure that, you know, you get Wendy, you get the different voices out that show, hey, this is what's going on, and this is why it's important to all recreational fishers. If people want to uh, find out more about what's happening uh, with the uh, Sports Fishing Conservancy, how's the best way to stay in contact with you? Best way is sportfishingconservancy.org. Um, and we're in the middle of redoing the website right now. Tune it in. It'll probably be different within the next three to four weeks, too. Right. Well, Tom, not only was it a pleasure having you on the radio, I look forward to the next time we run into you on the water because it means that we're enjoying this resource that we all love. John, I haven't been out fishing since this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, thanks a lot. You have a great holiday, and we'll stay in contact with you. Wendy, Wendy, take care, too. You too, Tom. Hey, you know, Wendy, I I really meant that because what starting, I'm sure that maybe you were in these meetings before the MLPAs when you were, you know, a trustee for that, but some of these things have to just be boring to minutiae, and then... When you come up with some of these stories that these people come up as science or fact, uh, that's even got to be more incredible. You know, it's really hard, and it's not boring at all, because when you listen to some of these people and the other side, you shake your head and you want to scream at them, and it's just it's so infuriating that you're wide awake and you're ready to go make a public comment. So, But you know what's really important? Is our listeners, to our listeners, we really need you guys to show up, and we know there's power in numbers. You know, you could take a day off for fishing, but you you got to take a day off to protect your fishing, too. Well, here's the thing, though. You know that the other side, that they will be there. They will be informed. They're paid to be there. Uh, there'll be a lot of them, and it's just tough to sometimes go up against those type of odds. But we got to do it or else this resource that we call recreational fishing out here will be even limited more than we've seen it in the past 10 or 15 years. So it's really important. And Wendy and Wayne and Tom, thanks a lot for the work that you do. And, and you know, John, you know, I have to say, seeing how everything always is full circle, you know, right now when you look at, Restoring the kelp forest. Who do you think does that? That's, you know, right now it's people that are on the um, Heal the Bay type people, right? But do you know the first person to ever um, reforest the kelp forest? Do you know who that was? No. I know how to use That was Russ Isaac. Yeah. All right. You know? Well, Wendy, I hope our listening audience appreciates, and they didn't find this boring, that some of the things that are going on on your behalf that, uh, you know, there are people trying to 
slowly erode your ability to go out there and fish when you want for what you want and everything like that. It's happening, and it's people like Wendy and Wayne and Russ that are, uh, you know, standing up on your behalf. Hey, we're going to take you know, a break John? right now. Let's. Uh, we're going to go on to a little more fun part. We're going to go on to the fishing part. We're going to get Rob Tressler with us uh, after this break. We're going to talk about an amazing trip that he hey, and Laurie just came back from on the Aztec and some of the other things they're doing. So stay tuned. We're going to get back to talking about fishing. But first, these messages. <laughs> Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program it is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey, Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. You know, we just had one of our uh, listeners text us, and they said, you know, you guys are getting me fired up. I want to do something. I've got time to do it, but I, sometimes I just don't know what to do. And Wendy, you told, uh, you mentioned, and uh, have uh, told me that there is a fishermen's community meeting that'll be happening on December fifth. Tell us just a little bit about that before we go yeah. to our next guest. Yeah, we would. Um, they would like to know how to enhance our fisheries, yeah. and so they want the fishermen to come to their meeting. And that's at the Hamley Hotel on December 5th from 6 to 8 p.m. So it's right. after work. And um, step up to the mic and, and uh, talk to them and let them know what you think is going to help our fisheries. For me, my biggest deal, artificial reefs. I would like to see more artificial reefs. I'd like to see more hatchery programs. And I'm sure our listeners have other ideas. And it would be great 
if the fishing community showed up to this because we are going to be outnumbered. All right, so, that'll, that'll be the Fisherman's Community Meeting December 5th. It'll be at the Handlery Hotel there in uh, Mission Valley between 6 and 8 p.m., right, Wendy? Correct. All right. Hey, let's get on to our next guest. You know, last week we had Rob, uh, Rob Tressler and Lori Heath with us. We were talking about fishing couples and how to go out and have yourself a good time. Well, needless to say, this couple went out last week, and along with a bunch of other fishermen, they got wind that I think it was uh, uh, Marcus on Lululand. They He stumbled upon a body of fish. A lot of the boats started going out after him. They decided to get aboard one of the boats and take a crack at it themselves. We're gonna, we have now Rob Tressler on with us just to let us know how they heck they did. Rob, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. Hey, John, it's good to be back on. Lori and I are here, and uh, it was a trip of a lifetime. What can I say? Uh, I was laughing talking to Captain Greg on the Aztec when we were offloading the fish. We had 41 bluefin tuna none of which were under 150 pounds. They were 150 to about 180 pounds. It was remarkable. Uh, Lori and I had limits by 9 o'clock in the morning and just kind of hung out and enjoyed the day afterwards Why? and watched now, other people fish. Is, is Lori on with you, or uh, is she yes, just Yes, she is. Listening? She's here. Right. Hi there, John. Hey, Lori, how you doing now? I understand, too, you had your personal best. Is that not right? Yeah, actually, um, but the greatest thing was is Rob got his personal best, and so did I. So as a couple, we got it together on the same boat the same day. So it was really great. He had a 162, and I had a 152. Wow. Which is a personal best for both of us. Now, now you know, we had uh, 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 Captain uh, uh, Rick uh, Russell from uh, the Chief Sports Fishing, and he was telling us, don't go out there under guns. So, and we've known that the the catch and bring aboard ratio compared to the hookup ratio, there was a big disparity. What did you find there on the Aztec? Was that the same, or were people coming better prepared, Rob? Um, people, we had a mixed bag of people. There were uh, most of the people had reasonably good stuff, but frankly, if you were using anything less than eighty pound flask gear, you were badly undergunned, and even eighty pound glass class gear was you were going to be fighting a fish for a half hour longer. We had some folks using 80-pound class gear, and they were on their fish for two hours oh and gosh. longer. One gentleman was up to three hours. And um, we were using, um, and, some, and, and there was a, a, a high number of casualties. I mean, we should have put 60 fish on the boat. Um, all of these fish were really big fish. None of them were small. I was using 130-pound gear and 100-pound gear, and even with that, it would take me sometimes 30 minutes to 45 minutes, almost an hour to get these fish in. Hooks were being pulled. Leaders and hearts were being broken because these fish were, for their size, they were really hard. And it was a beautiful, beautiful fish, really in perfect condition. But, yeah, you've got to bring the gear if you're going to go out there right now because it's a chance of a lifetime. And if you're under guns, you're just, it's a recipe for frustration and disaster. Now, Rob, you were talking about being uh, the Aztec. You were on the day-and-a-half trip. Did you guys find these fish almost right uh, you know, off the bat, or did you have to go hunting for them? And then after you found them, did they stay with you, or did you have to keep looking for them? 
this was the amazing part. And actually, Greg was one of the ones, along with uh, the new Loan, that found that body of fish earlier in the week. We pulled up at daybreak. We anchored. They started biting when we anchored, and we never moved the boat. All day long, we had anywhere from one to six fish hooked up throughout the entire day till the sundowner. On the sundowner, I actually started fishing again a little bit for yellowfin because he said they were coming through, and we picked up a couple of quick 30- to 40-pound yellowfin <laughs> right at the last minute as well. So that was fun. But we never moved the boat. You know, We didn't I... even have to come that much. They stayed around the boat. We didn't even have to chum that much. We used up all our bait just fishing it to the fish. One key thing that a lot of guys didn't do, they were getting frustrated in terms of the frequency of bite, you had to put a good bait on. If you didn't get bit within two minutes, wind in and start over. If you had to backpedal the, the sardine to get it to go, wind in and start over. I changed out 100 sardines or more to get my limit, and 11 of them swam, and I got bit ten, um, nine or ten times out of the 11 that swam. And I used about um, 300 sardines myself. I kept switching them out until <laughs> I found the right ones. Because, it, it, uh, you know, if you, they just die. They only last so long. And a uh, shoulder hook was the key for us. Uh, with a three-aught hook, owner's hook. And it just worked great. And we were using Iser line, of course. Um, and uh, we found that the pink uh, 100, um, I was using 100-pound pink floral carbon which uh, seemed to work better. We switched out to uh, a non-pink fluorocarbon, uh, and it just didn't work as well. Um, just for Rob and I, that's our own experience. Well, you know, three-aught hooks, those sound awful small. Were they like the heavy-duty three-aughts? Were they rigged hooks? Were they circle hooks or, or what, Rob? They were the three-aught Super Mutu circle yeah. hooks. I actually uh, started out using a standard heavy wire three-aught that normally would work for 100 to 130-pound fish, and I fought one big one for 45 minutes. I got it to deep color, and because I was using 100-pound test, when I got it to deep color and started really winding on it to pull it up, the hook straightened. I will say the owner Super Mutus are great. Having said that, I fought a bigger fish for an hour and five minutes, got it to deep color, was bringing it up to color, and the hook snapped. Mm. It actually broke. That's how big and mean these fish were. I think uh, that says more about the fish than actually the hook. But yeah, and plus yeah, no, the, fact, they, the hooks were great. It's just these were really mean fish. And in fact, what you're what you're being told is keep on pulling on these fish as hard as you can. These aren't fish that you want to be playing or anything like that. You pull and keep on pulling and getting them. Get them coming your way or else you're never going to get that fish in. We had a gentleman, and I felt bad for him. These are pelagics. They're used to them swimming is resting. And the poor gentleman got <laughs> exhausted, and he was for three and a half hours doing laps around the boat with a fish that was about 170-pound class bluefin. He never got it close, and finally it just broke off. Oh, right. Heartbreaking. <laughs> You know, I was a little hesitant to call you because I know you had just gotten back from a, a day and a half. You and Lori, you'd been pulling on all these fish. You had your personal best, and then you you had to you know be concerned on what to do with these fish, send them to the processor. And I thought you'd be spending the day relaxing, maybe getting into a state of horizontal refreshment. I give you a call finally, and what do I find you out? You're out on another boat fishing. How did that go for you today? We had a great time. We got into some really nice bottom fish and chuckleheads and 
I caught a real nice five-pound sheephead and stuff. We got fish for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe we'll figure out a fish dish for Thanksgiving. Lori, how did it go for you? We had some really great kids on the boat, too. That, that It was our first time out there, so we went ahead and um, um, did some hooking hands with them. It was fun. Uh, no kidding. Well, this is the time to do it. But, uh, you know, getting into fish on that class, uh, you know, you've, You've got to want to. You got to want to take that type of punishment because there's probably a fine line between fun and work. Yeah, there is. We got we got our hats handed to us a couple times with these fish. All right. Well, I, I guess the question I'm almost afraid to ask you: When are you guys going out next? As soon as possible. <laughs> All right. We tried well, to get on a boat. We tried to get on an overnight boat tonight. Everybody's booked up. Is that incredible? Holy mackerel, that is that is great. Well, Rob Tressler and Lori Heath, I, thanks for sharing your experience. Uh, before you go, is there is there any other uh, you know uh, gems or or bits of wisdom you want to impart on these people on our listeners if they want to go out and get a good crack at some of these fish? I guess the one thing that I think really will help people because we had. Uh, some gentlemen lost their fish at the boat, and it's, it's line awareness. When you're on a sport boat like that with a lot of people, be aware of where your fish is going and where your line is if you're not fishing is going. And, you know, and be kind. If you don't have a fish on and someone's coming down on the rail hot, wind up. Let them get by because you'd want that done for yourself as well. And if you've got a fish on, communicate. Let guys know because I was doing that and saying, I'm sorry, but I need to come down the rail, and they'd let me go. But if you just don't say anything and you just come blundering through with a 150-pound bluefin, people don't know. And by the same token, you know, be aware of your partners. And you, We're all partners on these boats. we got to work that way to catch these fish. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. And, oh. Wendy, I just want to shout out to you and your colleagues. We're definitely going to try to be there for that December the 5th meeting. We think that's a great, great thing that you're doing to help preserve our fishery and sport. Oh, great. We'll see you there. Thank you. All right. Rob Tressler, Lori Heath, uh, uh, I don't think I have to wish you good luck going fishing. I think you got the karma. I don't even have to wish you a good Thanksgiving because I know what you're going to be doing. Thanks a lot, though, for coming aboard with us and, and sharing your experience. Thank you so very much. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Wendy, thanks a lot for sharing your experience with us. Uh, a good show tonight. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Everyone. Hey, and we do want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And all our listeners, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back next Sunday night live here on AM 540 starting at 5.05. So on behalf of uh, Jorge and the AM 540 studios, Ben Harvey, our local uh, producer, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McKeon, and always in remembrance of Paul Leader. We want to wish you good night. If you can get on a boat, go out there and get them. They're getting away. Someone's getting your fish. Good night, everyone. We'll see you next week. Every time I go out to your place, you gone fishing. How you know? But there's a sign upon your